so we have Peter versus Harry Brown too, right? Uh, Peter goes back to uh, Harry's penthouse, and they just have like a a John Carpenter esque seventy street brawl in this apartment with like goofy like brown 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 music, and it's that, yeah. That I I actually kind of did like this part because I love this. Like, no costumes, no you know no no nothing fancy just nobody's a superhero whatever they're just they're two best friends that have had it with each other they have all this history and they're saying these really great like almost like shane black lethal weapon personal stabs at each other yeah like yeah they're getting kind of they're kind of playing dirty they're playing dirty and like kicking each other into like glass and be like yeah does that sting and he'd be like oh you know i protect you in high school but i'm gonna kick your ass and be like, ooh, like it's if if i were to be if i were to fist fight my best friend this is the shit that i that we'd be saying to each other just <laughs> pulling up like you know ah your sister hits harder than you just like using every bit of knowledge that you have about this person to make them angrier during the fight yeah, I mean that's the, that, that's the thing about fighting with your best friend. You're you're it's like you're fighting. You might as well be fighting a sibling because you know each other's deep, dark, dirty secrets. It is and like even uh, <clears throat> even even Norman kind of like took Peter under his wing, and a lot of this is based like around it is a sibling fight because you have like Harry being like, "You're the reason my father my father died." And Peter being like, your father didn't even like you, but do you know who he did like? Me. And, <laughs> and just, and the fight just keeps escalating and becoming funnier and more bizarre as it like, it starts off with they're just punching each other and then um, like, then they're throwing each other through glass. Uh, Peter throws Harry and he gets like, um, this is the second time of the movie where Harry takes a really hard hit to the head uh, <laughs> up against the banister they smashed through the window, and now, like, the glider was somehow set off, and it's spinning windmill style, and, like, they're still punching each other underneath, like, these these explosions. Uh, and, it, and it ends with, um, like, uh, Peter doing, like, this, this chest hit to... Uh, uh, to Harry and saying like, "Oh, look at little Goblin Junior! Junior, you're gonna cry!" Like right after saying like, "Your father was embarrassed by you." Yeah. And then in a full like Anakin Skywalker Revenge of the Sith uh, move, we have Harry throws a pumpkin bomb, and uh, and Peter immediately reflexively intentionally throws it back at him and walks away without seeing if he's okay. By this point, he's officially, yeah, he's he's officially crossed the threshold. That was he up. Yeah, care. yeah, he doesn't care if uh, if Harry might be dead or not. It's just this is this is how this goes. Yeah, and this is where he kind of takes like he he go he goes full emo Peter now. He's Sith, like that's what it is. He's he's yeah, he's dressing all, yeah. He's dressing in black. He's got his hair. He um, he uh, confronts. We never really even talked. I mean, not that there was much to say up to this point, but we never really talked much about Eddie Brock. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Being I, introduced. Well, as, what is there to even really say? Right. <laughs> he's kind of, you know, he's kind of creepy and he's kind of smarmy. Um, he's got terrible frosted hair. Um, 
he just looks terrible. Um, his character a, a, as Eddie Brock is a little more used car salesman-y than it is in the comics. Like in the comics, he's more of like just kind of dark and angry. Even before mm-hmm. he was Venom, he, he was, was kind of the this... guy who would have like bought a Venom T-shirt if he was not himself Venom. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He was just kind of this 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 uh yeah. Which, but um, uh, if I remember correctly, um, like the theory behind that, because again, whenever uh, Sony was like, "Well, you've got to put Venom in this, or we're not funding it," uh, I believe the concept that Sam Raimi had said that they had, along with the other writers, was that it was supposed to be like an inversion of Peter. Uh, it's supposed to be well, he's very physically similar similar it's like a dark shadow version where all the ways that like peter isn't confident uh eddie is and vice versa so you end up with like eddie who's very like you know hey yeah i've got this i want the staff job i'm gonna i'm gonna propose to this girl everything's great but the moment that you get him alone he immediately just like cowers and turns into like this like mm-hmm. sniffling like please i'm begging you i don't have anything whereas peter of course is normally like um, or at least the Peter in the previous two movies was someone who was very unassuming, very kind of like um, almost almost like his spirit was small. But whenever you kind of found out what was underneath that, there was something that was like heroic and confident. Mm-hmm. But what it's still as fun as all those ideas are, it's still Topher Grace. <laughs> yeah, there's not he, he's not very like. Uh, threatening he's not he's not intimidating at all you know and um yeah but there 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 was a hint of like darkness there was um oh i think when uh when when he runs into gwen stacy at the key to the city celebration yeah he says oh you know do you want to go out later and she kind of says i can't tonight and he says, oh, but what about, you know, we had this great time the other night. And she's like, it was coffee. Like, she's like, really? We, we went out for coffee. And he kind of like, there was almost like this, this, this uh, shimmer, like this flash that went over his face from like, like hat, like a uh, confident to like, I'm getting shot down. Like there's this, there's this real uh, interesting, like used car sociopathy that's yeah. going on with him. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. It's almost like he's trying to sell everybody on a product that doesn't exist. Like when he, he runs into captain Stacy and he's like, um, I'm kind of dating your daughter. He, you know, he, he, he runs into Gwen. He's like, Oh, we had a great time the other night. You know, he, he, uh, he's trying to talk himself into a, a a job at the bugle and like a promotion as far as like, Oh, there's a woman that I intend to marry. And it's like, you're not even dating her. Like it's, it's great work. Yeah. Yeah, he's 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 deep in denial on everything. Like he he he, he you know he, he wants this great life or he thinks he has this great life, and then he gets exposed very quickly for for being a fraud. And it happens like literally in a matter of minutes when it's like, uh, congrats, Eddie. Here's some champagne. You're now our new staff photographer. Um, Peter. Which, by the way, and- who who. What office? What newspaper celebrates the hiring of a staff photographer in that in that way with champagne? 
Well, I'm willing it's like to be your photographer. So, so going with this idea of Eddie being a grifter, Eddie the grifter, uh, going with this idea, I, I want to believe two different things about this one. Um, he, I bet he didn't even really do photography until he got this bugle job. I, I, in my head, I see him as going through like a string of jobs that just never worked mm-hmm. out, but it was never his problem. If you were to ask him, he was never yeah. the reason why, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he had bought champagne for himself and had written like a from the daily beauty oh, like, like a fake card yeah, like, oh, like, be like oh my god look, wow you guys are just to try to get that standing within the company because because yeah. you know jjj who's uh consistently the best thing out of all these movies every time jk simmons shows up as mm-hmm. jonah jameson it's it's gold it's lightning uh but as as terrible as jj's memory is or whatever like he probably would have been like, "Oh, where'd you get the champagne? Oh, you gave it to me, sir. Really? Well, you know, I hope that doesn't screw up our budget." And then that would have been it. There never would have been another question about it. Um, yeah, but then you know, you know, five seconds later, you know, like the, the, everyone's toasting him. Then five seconds later, Peter show, shows up and he's like, "Oh, you're a fake," and they're like, "Oh, you're fired." Yeah, you're a fake, and not only are you a fake, but you used my own photos like i wouldn't notice it Mm -hmm. uh during this whole sequence we have uh peter say a couple of um absolutely wonderful perfectly quotable lines i do quote this movie a lot we have i'm gonna put some dirt in your eye your Mm -hmm. trash rock and you want forgiveness get religion all stuff that if you were raised by people who were 70 years old would be like, yeah. I'm I was gonna say that. Yeah, that sounds like. Yeah, it sounds like it came out of like a like a Jimmy Cagney movie or something. I mean, essentially, what he's being is he's he's almost trying to be a greaser. Like, it, it, you're right with that Jimmy Cagney. Like, even like he puts oil in his hair just to be able to like drag the hair down, and like mm-hmm. he wants to be, like, like this kind of. I don't know. He he wants to be uh, the the kind of like greaser esque. Uh, there's another term for it that I can't really quite think of, but like that sort of character from those those sorts of movies and stuff, where it's like, yeah, yeah, but he's he's cool, but he uh, and he's he's maybe mean or dirty, but he gets what he wants and deserves. Like hard boiled. He's like a hard boiled detective or something like. Yeah. That. Straight out of like a like a noir movie yeah it's 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 amazing it really is like a like oh james dean isn't hard enough kind of yeah choice well i'll tell you what there's nothing more dark and gritty and uh, than the jazz club yeah oh my god um (laughs) oh nestled, nestled in this go ahead well, say just b- before we get into the jazz club, I just want to because I because I, I marked it and uh, I periodically marked it on my notes. Uh, one hour forty five minutes into the movie, still no venom. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, because why not? Um, but we got the jazz club. <laughs> thank God we got uh, dance scenes number two and three before Venom shows up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. 
And nestled in this is a scene that you had alluded to uh, earlier during this discussion, which is um, so Kurt Connors uh, at one point, Peter does take part of the suit to Kurt and Kurt says, I'm a physicist, not a uh, like, damn it, Jim, I'm a physicist, not a <laughs> biologist. And, uh, and finally Connor calls uh, Connors calls him back and says, um, yeah, this is bad. It has all the typical, uh, notes of being a symbiote uh it appears to he it doesn't say that like well it turns you evil the line was it amplifies the characteristics of its hosts and then he says almost like as an afterthought particularly aggression so this kind of feeds into what we were discussing earlier which is that peter was already a total mess before this happened and the the suit wasn't going to like automatically make you cool. It wasn't something that like like in the comics uh, where oh hey you've got this and now suddenly you're the smoothest person either ever. Mm-hmm. It's just amplifying all the really stupid issues and problems that you have as a person uh, in there. This just happens to also be like for him like arrogance and uh self-centeredness and like having like an ego that's bigger than his web can build Mm -hmm. and uh yeah he's he's just such a dork that was raised by old people that this is what he thinks is cool buying dark suits and strutting down the street listening to james brown and dancing and finger gunning at people (laughs) uh Hey, so okay. Let me ask you because I think this might be been the second time you referenced James Brown. Did, did in in what you watched was there actually like a a song? To yeah, his dance. Um, it's so it's uh because there wasn't one in, in my version. Well, the so uh we should probably actually talk about this. So did you watch the uh the theatrical version or? Uh, yeah, I believe I did. Yeah. So there is uh. There is an editor's cut. There's not a lot that they actually add to it. Um, there is, there's one or two shots of like Peter being like aggressive or swinging in the black suit in uh, in daylight, which honestly doesn't look very good because a lot of the way that Sam Raimi was shooting things um, in the daylight in these Spider-Man movies was like this kind of like golden hour look. Like everything kind of had this. Uh, this light brown gold kind of sheen to it, mm-hmm. um, which looks really weird whenever you're wearing like a well-lit black leotard. It just didn't quite work. So a lot of that got cut out. Uh, there's also a scene where right after Sandman turns into, well, Sandman, uh, he goes to a beach that I guess he knows his daughter plays at and turns himself into a sandcastle and his daughter hugs the sandcastle and somehow can tell that it's him. And then they leave. And that's the end of the scene. <laughs> well, uh, in, in both cuts, the song that is playing in the background is... Um, uh, it's a James Brown song that's called something along the lines of, like, Get Up, You Funky Soul. Okay. Now, this is a nine-minute long song. So... There's one or two parts where there is, where there are lyrics, and uh, the only parts of that that kind of leaks into what they use for the movie is like one or two parts where um, where you can hear like 
the phrase like get up get up everybody everybody and then it's just <laughs> jazz music uh and so yeah i was just referencing it just because like i thought that it's a uh, i'm a real kind of like I'm a big fan of really specific music and just music in general, which is why like I was kind of really going off on the, uh, the venom theme and um, well, and also the Sandman musical theme uh, earlier um, is just because I like stuff like that, but uh, I'll have to check it out. But in, in my mind, I really believe that that's, he's just dancing the silence, but in his head, it's just blaring like, Oh sure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I I would swear on a stack of Bibles that when I <laughs> saw this in the theater, I thought "Staying Alive" was playing, or some some more well known like disco song or anthem or something. I I swear to God, "Staying Alive" was playing, but again, maybe that, maybe that's just something I I made up, but um, or I thought there was some established song that was playing in the background while he was doing his finger gun dance down the street. I think but, I've seen an edit that was like that, but I I'm betting that Bee Gees was even too cool for Peter Parker's probably. <laughs> well, so the, the version I watched last night, it was just like, it was this kind of like disco funk type of music, but it was just, but there was no lyrics. It was just, it was no song that I recognized. Um, like not even like the Muzak version of staying alive or anything. It was just like, just some, some funky bass type music. And what, uh, what way did you watch, um, watch this um, by the way? So I have a, um, star subscription through Amazon through like Amazon prime Okay. or, or Amazon video or whatever. Um, and it's all the Spider-Man movies are, are on there. So it was, and I'm pretty sure, like I said, I, I'm pretty sure it was the theatrical version. Cause uh, every once in a while, like they'll have some kind of weird uh, rights issue like that. Well, um, that's, that's what I thought it might've been because I know I've seen like, well, definitely like TV shows. I've seen like some episodes that I remember a specific song was in it, but then like when you first watch it, but then when it's on a streaming service, it's replaced. Yeah. Something completely like, what is that? that you know? That'll happen all the time. I Okay, cool. I think I just actually tracked down um, an original uh, version of that scene. Um, if you, I'm going to, I'm going to message you uh, a YouTube link to it. Uh, it okay. Obviously don't like, you don't have to watch the entire. Scene. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'll watch it like, later. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I'd be curious to know if that was like the same thing, but okay. um, yeah, it's, it's this, uh, this real specific James Brown deep cut. That's kind of like, just like this extended intermission, uh, like uh, instrumental with him kind of just like, you know, get up huh, everybody. And then like muttering most of it. <laughs> but, um, yeah. That's, that's interesting. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah. Uh, oh, um, partway through this, this dance scene, um, which I thought that this montage like took place over a couple of days, but like, it's kind of implied that happens in the same day, which is weird. Uh, partway through this, we're just suddenly the movie remembers that Sandman's still in it. And, uh, I ended up timing it. It's been 25 minutes since Sandman's been in this movie. 
and we suddenly go, oh, uh, and then he's crawling like out of a, a sewer grate or like a uh, a water runoff, holding his Uh-oh. holding Penny's locket. Of course, somehow didn't lose that. Yeah, he still has it. Uh, and so now we suddenly have Peter taking Gwen to the jazz club that I presume Harry told him that MJ works at during their coffee date. Uh, there's a fun detail here at the very beginning, which is uh, Peter like leans over to the host and says, mm. find us some shade and slips. Mm. I paused it just to look. It's either a 10 or a 20. And yeah. uh, and he says, find us some shade. Thanks, hot legs. And uh, and she immediately gives him a table in the middle of the floor, <laughs> that, <laughs> which is amazing. Uh, and, and it has a reserve placard on it. Now, this means like a couple of different things. For me, I'm almost kind of believing that Peter called ahead and said, give me the seat that's front row and center that's reserved, and I'll come in and I'll say this and then give me that table. Like he's working on both ends to not only maximize mm. the rude thing he's going to do, but also try to seem what he believes is cool. Right. During it. Um, Gwen says, like points out and says, isn't that your old girlfriend? Even though, um, like according to the timeline that I have in like a day. Yeah. It's been, he broke up with her a day before and Gwen just saw them having a fancy dinner together three days ago. Right. And so isn't that your old girlfriend? Like, it just seems like a weird line. Like, I feel like that there's like a bunch of different things for like, you know, didn't you guys just break up or like whatever. And then then we have to assume that in those short couple of days that that just happens to be when they were in school together or they saw each other on campus or something. And he said, Oh, by the way, um, do you want to go out? I'm not like jazz. Yeah. Do you like jazz clubs? Uh, do you want to go, do you, do you want to go take in a talkie? Uh, (laughs) Maybe we can go down to the malt shop and have ourselves a spritzer. We can get a straw. Um, and Oh, by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm not dating that girl anymore that I was about to marry. So remember how I was holding an engagement ring at that French restaurant. (laughs) Don't worry about it. Um, that was just a, a phase I was going through. <laughs> so dance scene number three, uh, Peter suddenly. Do, do we know if Peter could play piano before this? Like, is this something that was just kind of like never mentioned in the other movies that we're supposed to assume? Or yeah, that like, I completely forgot about. And I kind of laughed out loud. Yeah. Cause not uh, just because I was like, Oh, this is happening. Yeah. It was just so ridiculous. Now, whether or not the, um, the symbiote kind of gave him the ability to either like speed read or whatever, he suddenly has the ability to not only, um, play piano, but improvise jazz perfectly, which is like one of the most jazz piano is like a notoriously hard thing to just pull out of your ass. I would be willing to bet this is just kind of like a, you know, so, you know, talking about uh, Peter's uh, his uh, childhood with the Parkers, growing up with two old people. Mm-hmm. You know, old people love to play the piano. 
So it could be like, I don't have friends. Okay, well then you can learn to play the piano. I'll, I'll bet. I'll, and, and, and not only that, they love to play the piano and they love to make children learn how to play the piano. Mm, that's, so that's a good one. I'll yeah. bet, you know, either May or Ben, probably May. Yeah. I feel like, you know, not to stereotype, but I feel like it's traditionally women who are, who teach uh, children how to play the piano. I am now um, going to believe that Aunt May knew how to play piano herself. And that was like a thing as well. And it may be been something where it's like, Hey, when, uh, when Ben's not around, like what, before he gets home from, uh, con ed, I'll, uh, I'll teach you like a couple more bars. Like that's, that's hundred yeah. percent hand cat. They, uh, they, they probably had a standing piano lesson every day after school. Um, or before he had his wheat cakes in the morning. <laughs> That is a callback. That's good. <laughs> now I'm going to have to rewatch the first two movies because I'm almost, and I don't know if this is one of those things where like you bring it up and so your mind kind of like puts it in there. I, I almost think that I remember there being a piano just, you know, yeah. And in, in their house, like before she sold it, like in the background, not necessarily. Yeah. I'll yeah. bet there is. I, Oh, that's, that's important to me now. That's going to be something for me to now- now we got to find out. <laughs> so on top of that, did they also teach him how to freeform dance, like jazz dance? And also what is up with this jazz accompanist that they're willing to just completely throw their coworker under the bus and like, no, we'll just go with this weird stranger. Well, well, l- let's not forget, you know, we're talking about timelines, you know, uh, she's only worked there for two, like two days. Yeah. So they're probably like, uh, screw the new girl. Let's have some fun playing jazz because we're we work in the jazz club. Now, uh, as much as the piano thing makes me laugh, um, instead, and uh, this this shot lives rent free in my head and will for the rest of my life. Um, there's he does that whole dance and it like keeps like escalating, and mm-hmm. then we just cut to a real tight close up on his mouth and he whispers, "Now dig on this." And it's the best thing to have ever happened to cinema. <laughs> that that oh. shivered down my spine. I was like, that is so cringy. It's the best. It's the worst best. Like, it, oh, yeah. Every time that that happens, it's, it makes me just filled with joy. The amount of times in my normal life where I've done something really extravagant or stupid and then immediately turned to my girlfriend and whispered, now dig on this. <laughs> and like snapped. Uh, I'm surprised I'm alive, first of all. But it's it's incredible. And and the thing that's even better than that is uh, I grew up watching um, movie musicals because I was also raised by old people, I guess. But uh, <laughs> but the the escalation and rhythm of how this scene is going, whenever he uh, he picks up um, Gwen and they have that small, like this small, like kind of like real close, slow moments where they're dancing and he dips her and then looks up at MJ like, yeah, screw you. Um, in a movie musical, the rhythm for how that would go is that's just the breather before the dance sequence really takes off. And so every time that I watch this movie, uh, in, in my brain, it feels like that it's threatening to, like him saying now dig on this is basically him saying now this is where the fun begins and we're going to get something that's even more insane. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, <clears throat> and that that all happened after uh, when he was dancing with Gwen. He was basically like dry humping her. Yeah, basically. Like he he had he grabbed her leg, her thigh, and p- pulled it up on his hip as they were dancing, like in the middle of the bar, surrounded by like forty people. And then he stares right at MJ, and then Gwen says, like, does what I think is the best, most human moment of this entire movie and completely redeems her for me is she looks up and looks at Peter and says, that was all for her. Oh yeah. Stands up. That was a good scene. And the, the thing that absolutely cinches that though, is she turns and looks at MJ and says, I'm sorry. I I'm honestly sorry. And Mm -hmm. then she just leaves the movie because she's better than what's happening here. Yeah. Well, she, she knows that, that, yeah. Peter royally screwed up that, that whatever's happening between the two of them, they're not just done. They're not over. And they're she not- was just used as a pawn. And she's like, I did not mean for that. You deserve better than this. Like, yeah. I, I'm going to just go because yeah. there's nothing I can do in this situation to make this better. And, and again, sadly, that's the last we see of Gwen Stacy. Yeah. Cause she's like, mm, I'm by movie. I'm done. Uh, yeah. And that, that's why I said she was, it's, this uh, this movie wasted absolutely the best Gwen Stacy. So Peter goes up to MJ, like almost like, "Hey, I've got a bone to pick with you because I'm not enough. Like uh, I haven't humiliated you enough." Mm-hmm. Uh, the bodyguard comes over and is like, "Hey, um, I'd I'd prefer like let's take this outside." And uh, we get really close in Peter's face and he just says, like, take your hand off me like Dirty Harry. But I in my brain, I remember that being a Planet of the Apes line. I really thought that there was like a really like get your goddamn hand off me like like a Charlton Heston snarl, which would have made sense because he was you know raised by olds. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, no, but instead, like, they tried to throw him off, and of course he's Spider-Man, so he's launching them across the room. And then he... And and again, this is... We're getting back into Peter is... We can't make another sequel after this because we've made Peter an unredeemable character. He, like, I don't think it's a full punch, but he strikes MJ in the face and not... Yeah, it was kind of like, yeah, he, he backhanded her not like hard, like not to the face, but enough that like it was just enough to just push her back and, and knock her down. But and, it, it, I, yeah. I feel like they, they were very like strategic about how they did that. It wasn't like she got smacked. That was, that had to have been like three weeks of editing just on that cut, just to like go back and forth and be like, what's too much. What's not enough because we're, we have a scene now where our hero strikes a woman in the face and you know, it's, it, yeah, it sucks. Like it's, there's no real good part about it. It's like, that's game over for them. Here's like, from this point on, even from the first time they watched the movie, I was like, Oh, I don't want these two to, uh, to get back together. Mm-hmm. I honestly don't. And I still don't. Yeah. I, Cause yeah. even, even if, you know, she were to buy the the story about him being under the influence of this alien symbiote. You know, she in in her head she might understand it, but in her 
her heart and her soul, she's going to, she's always going to look at him as this guy hit me. That's there's going to be an eternity of like, even if they made up and they moved in together, he's going to like, she's, she's going to say, Hey, can you like hand me that dish? And he's going to turn a bit too quickly to hand it to her. And she's going to flinch. And that's the rest of their life. And it's, it breaks my heart, honestly. Um, we also, you had said about like the influence of the spider suit. Um, this is, uh, to, to put on like a slightly, I guess, more white level. Um, when she says like, who are you or what's going on with you? And he says, I don't know. His shirt's like practically unbuttoned and the suits underneath it. And I would think that there had to have been at least one person (laughs) that like, cause we're in a small, New York City jazz bar with not a lot of like elbow room. Honestly, it's like mm-hmm. a COVID nightmare. And this dude just came off of the street, did this dance number, threw their bodyguard across the room, and then his shirt was open and he's wearing a Spider Man suit underneath it. <laughs> and not a single person <laughs> said yeah. <a> word. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah you know, I, I i was i was thinking like you know how we're talking about the uh you know the the, the violence as far as like you know what what peter is gonna look like uh, you know not only to mary jane but <laughs> to to think about it from the audience point of view yeah if you're if you're a parent who say you've you know you're you've you took your kids to see the first one took your kids to see the second one how do you explain to your kids this? You know, well, I mean, like sometimes you, know, you just get arrogant and you pop your girlfriend off in the mouth and uh, that's the end of the relationship. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, I mean, there's, there's, some, you know, like uh, aside from the, 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 you know, the, the, the heel turn that, you know, Peter does. Yeah. Um, then, you know, to just to jump ahead a little bit when, you know, he goes to the, to the church and figures out that, which is the very next scene. Yeah. It's not jumping too far. Yeah. When he, he goes to the church and he figures out that the, the ringing of the church bell is going to help him get the suit off. Cause the suit, the, the symbiote doesn't like the, the sonic vibrations and, uh, Eddie Brock happens to be in the same church because he goes to church to pray to God to kill Peter. As any good Catholic would, uh, he goes straight in. He he dips his fingers in the holy water and everything, and like gives himself like the sign of the cross. And because because uh, Eddie can't do things uh, honestly to such a degree that he's literally begging God to like kill his rival. Now here's here's a couple of uh, implication questions I think this brings up. All right. So, one, the symbiote came from space. So, arguably, it was sent from God uh, in the first place. Um, Does Eddie, because he says, I want you to kill Peter Parker. And then within five minutes, here's the the ruckus, looks up uh, to the bell and goes like, oh, that's Peter Parker. Wait, he's Spider-Man? And then, uh, and then he's given the, the, the Venom suit, uh, grabs him and fills him with like a strength of like power and whatever. So does Eddie believe 
that God answered his prayer and gave him like a murder suit. And in the world of this movie, could it be argued <laughs> that that's actually might be what happened? I, that That's definitely a good point. I, I would, but you know what, uh, going back, you know, going back to like, like the way Eddie perceives things. Yeah. I almost feel like, so he, his, he went to church to, you know, find God or to, you know, ask God to smite Peter, but then he gets this uh, suit. So he gets what he needs and he's like, ah, all right, I don't need God. I got this. So it's like, it, you know, it, 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 it's all about <clears throat> what, <clears throat> what you can do for him now. It's not what. Yeah. It's, it's about like <clears throat> what you're going to give me. And it is very kind of old Testament to be like the, all right, I'm going to give you what you need, what you're asking for, but it's going to be the thing that's going to uh, send you to ruin. Yeah. Um, which, so, so Peter takes off that suit and like Eddie ends up with it. And like, he doesn't hear Eddie screaming for his life and turning into a monster. Uh, but it's which, quite... which was also kind of scary uh, going back to like, yeah, people that took their kids to see this, like, He's a straight up monster now. Yeah, he turns into a demon in a church. Like, I, like not only ten minutes after Spider Man punched a woman in the mouth, and now somebody turned into a devil. Yeah. Uh, after asking God to kill somebody, um, now when when Peter gets the suit off because of the lighting and stuff like that, and then also because of the shower afterwards, um, it's kind of implied that Peter's naked under that suit. So did he just swing home naked? <laughs> As much as he's just been kind of going around without his mask because who cares recently, yeah. I feel like he's really just like, you know what? Screw my identity. I'm nude now. Um, it's it's amazing. And uh, and you're right. I did um, there. I did write down a note that it is an hour and 44 minutes, 44 or 45 minutes into the runtime before Benham shows up. And that's that's meaning just the shot where like you know, he leans back and leans forward and has teeth. Yeah. Um, which means if we follow my timeline theory, <laughs> Peter is not, uh, Peter doesn't wear the symbiote suit for more than 48 hours, not even 48 hours because it was the beginning of, um, let me, let me absolutely see. Uh, so it's at the end of day three of this timeline that he, uh, gets the suit, has the Black Panther ripoff fight, uh, where he kills Sandman. Um, and then we have like a whole day that ends with him beating the shit out of Harry. And then the beginning of this day itself is the day that he goes and, um, and exposes Eddie Brock and, uh, and goes and has that dinner date where he punches MJ in the mouth. And then he goes, mm, this is bad and tears it off. So he's, he's wearing the suit for like a day and a half. And uh, yeah. as soon as it touches Eddie Brock, he just turns into the monster mash. Yeah. And, and yeah, just, just <laughs> with um, basically 20 minutes left in the movie. Yeah, just enough time for everybody to team up. Basically, which is um, I uh, so I whenever I write my notes for these, I'll title like sections. Um, 
I have called this next section uh, wannabe best friends slash the ultimate showdown of ultimate destiny because of like the, the lemon demon song where they're like, Oh, and this person's here. And so is this, and so is this. And uh, Oh, but before we get to that, um, aunt may shows up in the movie for the last time, um, fully dressed because like in, in cold weather gear and stuff, she left her apartment to, take the subway to go to Peter's apartment and say, Hey, um, so the past couple of days have been a little intense. You told me you you woke me up at 2 AM to say you were going to propose to MJ. Then we found out who actually killed your uncle. And I haven't heard from you for a couple of days. What's going on. And Peter barely looks at her the entire time she's there. And she gives him a speech about um, believing in him. And then she leaves to presumably take the subway and go back home and everything. Um, This speech and this visit lasts exactly two minutes and 20 seconds. (laughs) It's, it's amazing that I don't know if this, this also kind of feels like that this was like a, uh, a pickup shot that happened later. Like after they test screened it, where somebody was just like, Hey, somebody wrote in the comment card, Hey, what happened to aunt may? Because she showed up just to be told about the proposal and that her husband was murdered by someone else. And then her nephew says that he killed the murderer. Can we please just have confirmation that aunt May's okay? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she, uh, yeah. The, Aunt May, you know, and and this has nothing to do with anything, but I, you know, it's just, it's so funny to see the, you know, the original aunt theatrical or cinematic aunt May in her, you know, as an old lady looking like Rose with, you know, holding onto the heart of the ocean on the bow of the Titanic. Um, But, but then like every, every iteration of aunt may after that has gotten younger and hotter has just turned into like the cool aunt who was maybe. Yeah. So like, what's like, is the next one after Marissa Tomei going to be like Natalie Portman? (laughs) It would be kind of interesting to have, um, you know, because the implication is that, uh, cause, cause they're Parker's. So Ben is actually, uh, Oh, what is, what is Peter's dad's name? Why am I blanking on that right now? Oh, um, Richard. Yeah, it was, so, it was, it was Richard and Mary. Parker? Yeah. Richard, Richard and Mary. So, um, in the comics, if I remember correctly, the, the way it was always rationaled was that, um, uh, Richard was the younger brother to Ben and Ben was like, Richard was almost like the surprise baby of that family. Ben's older than him by like 20 something years. And, uh, and it's like, Oh, well then uh, Ben and may just like never got to have kids and just hook him in. It would be almost kind of interesting that, and I'm surprised that this hasn't been thrown in there. Um, it would be kind of almost interesting if it turned out that uncle Ben was like the younger brother and then he married somebody who was also younger than him by like eight or 10 years. And mm-hmm. so there ends up being like this weird gap of like, at some point in the future, someone's going to write a Spider-Man story where Aunt May's maybe six years older than Peter. <laughs> and, 
and it's gonna it's it's gonna be interesting. Maybe this is even something where like Ben was a single parent for a couple of years and then he married May. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> uh boy. Um. So yeah. Uh. So exit Aunt May from this picture. Uh, of course, um, we we do end up with like Aunt May and um, uh, and Gwen Stacy show up for half a second at the funeral at the end of this because it's a Spider-Man movie, so it has to end with a funeral, right? Um, so Venom finds Sandman, and uh, Venom's voice changes constantly. Like, there's Venom's voice for a while just sounds like Topher Grace and then it sounds like Topher Grace that's modulated and then for like almost only the line where he just says the word interested does it sound like it's an entirely different voice actor but it sounds like a third rate like video game protagonist like some (laughs) studio made a rip off of Devil May Cry and that same voice guy is like Hey, you want to team up? Interested? <laughs> Super. Uh, double combo. I'm the devil's stepson. Like it's just some sort of thing like that, you know? Yeah. But uh, we can't focus on that because um, suddenly, out of nowhere, it's uh, the sudden news channel exposition dump, which is a movie trope that I hate. <laughs> where we just suddenly have a fully lit studio where they try to pretend that it's like, um, oh, this is a, a real news studio, but they talk about stuff in a way that a news studio would never do, uh, where it's just one person who's just like, basically it, it reads as if they, while they were doing the budget for the movie, they're like, okay, we need to cut like 20 minutes out of this. And they're like, okay, so why don't we just have a news? We have a reporter who shows up at the end of the movie. So we'll preset that with just like one old guy at a desk, just like one old guy at a desk and the most British woman in New York city. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Where did they get her? I don't know. It's amazing. And it's not even like, Oh, it's a slight will or whatever. This is like fresh off like Ellis Island, British. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, Well, and, yeah, and was it was it just me or was the the old newscasters' eyes like kind of cattywampus? Yeah, they like, weren't like, quite meeting anywhere, and he was yeah. just reading this like dramatic like. If there was a hostage situation that you were watching live on TV, no no reporter would say like this will probably end with the death of everyone involved, including the police. But that's pretty much. He so dramatically just says, this could be the end of Spider-Man. Originally, somebody who was who looked like him, but turns out he has teeth, showed up and started eating everybody. Well, back to you. Like, there's... It's so crazy. Um, I do love... There's a small detail in this where the camera pans up and they're like, oh, he's left... A, Venom has left a note in his webs. Um, well, actually, how... Okay. In this universe, Peter Parker's webs were organic, right? The, oh, that's right. I, for, I almost forgot about that. Yeah, he did not have 
he, he does not have additional the, web shooters. Now, uh, assuming that this means that when he's wearing the uh, symbiote, the symbiote is like opening almost like a little like stoma or whatever around his wrist to allow the webs to go through. Um, Venom, for some reason, has the ability to make webs when he becomes Venom. I don't know like if that's just that he's like somehow able to like, generate like dead tissue. I know I'm thinking way too far into this, but it's just suddenly out of nowhere it's like and the suit can make webs too. I think yeah, it's like there's there's no there's no real good answer to like and- the science behind the symbiote because when he shows up, he's about as you know as as big as a a, a egg of silly putty. Yeah. You know, but then he his his size changes to like obviously then he spreads all over a human being right and then uh, you know at the very very end when peter has him on the ropes when he separates eddie from the symbiote he like the symbiote carpenter's the thing like yeah like he yeah. grows like to be like 20 or 30 feet tall with you know without you know, just on his own. So it's like, I, I feel like there's just no, there's no right answer to say, you know, or it's almost like there's, there's no end to, to the, the, the material or the mass that makes up the symbiote. That 100%. Then that's, uh, that's something that drives me crazy, but also in the face of everything else, I guess we'll let it slide. Yeah. Um, so they, they do just a quick shot of the web where he's written a threat where, um, the font that he's using to write the threat is like the classic Spider-Man comic book font, which is a yeah. fun detail, I guess. But uh, yeah, so there's that. Um, Peter finally goes to check to make sure that Harry's dead only because Peter needs something from him now. <laughs> like he didn't care this entire time. He's like, I know I threw a bomb in your face and I didn't check to make sure you were alive, but like, now I need help. So do you want to be best friends again? Yeah. So he shows up and Harry is basically two faced. Yeah. He's basically half of his face. Finally, looks more like a goblin than anything in these movies ever did. Yeah. Uh, and, and so of course, uh, Harry's like, look at my face. Why would I hang out with you? And Bernard, his Butler, um, just kind of <laughs> goes, excuse me. Um, can I have you over in the exposition library? Uh, yeah his his timing couldn't have been more convenient yeah uh so bernard pulls him into the thing he's like okay so i cleaned the wounds myself i don't know why he did uh and he says i recognize the wounds as being from the glider why does bernard know about the glider how would he recognize that that's what the blades are from yeah he knows Um, a lot and and he knows alfred did he know that harry was up to this this entire time but was just kind of like letting him just like handle it like oh while you're doing this goblin stuff it's just less that i have to do um so so that happens and uh and finally like that's just enough for like oh uh harry's like oh i only just needed the validation from a second person like okay carry on i guess we're best friends again (laughs) and um yeah oh um okay so we have a quick flashback during this this is a thought i had earlier that i forgot to bring up Okay, so we have a flashback to the first movie where um, Peter is laying uh, Norman's body down on the couch. Um, 
Norman's not wearing the Green Goblin suit anymore, which implies to me that Peter removed that suit from his body um, before bringing him back, like wrapped in like a towel or whatever. Uh, now, earlier in this movie, when one of like four concussions that Harry has, <laughs> uh, and he takes him to the hospital, Peter is wearing, it's supposed to be in the same night, but Peter is wearing a change of clothes. And so is, um, and so is Harry. So this means that over the span of the series, there's been at least two separate times where Peter Parker has stripped an Osborne male naked and redressed him for the sake of like hiding his identity. Well, yeah, with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh man, you might be bleeding out. Let me get you out of these pants. <laughs> yeah. You might have, oh man, you might have some internal injuries. Let me see your wiener. Yeah, <laughs> I know what both of these are. Oh my God, like MJ uh, left me for you. Does she know? Nah, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, your web shooters. Okay, I'm done with that joke. Uh, <laughs> So, um, all right. So, so Harry like realizes he wants to be best friends like all the time. Uh, now, uh, yeah. Spider-Man lands in front of an American flag to a very tepid applause from New York. Um, it's just a very polite golf clap, which is yeah, it's like yay. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. Oh uh, yeah. This again. Um. So Eddie starts saying a bunch of one-liners that make sense to comic book fans, but within the realm of this universe makes no sense. Like, Oh yeah. He, he, yeah. he, he, he references Spidey sense. Yeah, he says my Spidey sense is tingling. If you know what I'm talking about, um, which, you know, is his wiener. Uh, but, <laughs> but it's like, you should like, no, we don't never, like, he shouldn't know about that. And it's also never been referenced in any of these movies. Right. Or uh, if it has, it's been Spider-Man saying it to himself. Yeah. Um, but which is it. There, there's a couple of different things like that that are just like really weird. Um, at one point, like Eddie holds down Peter and uh, he's like, Maybe I'll just humiliate you like you did to me. Do you remember what you did to me? <laughs> Peter should have just been like, I exposed you for like, well, this is all 100% your fault. Like it's completely altruistic. What I did, you did a bad thing. I called or, you out on it and you're mad. I've been like, you're right. of course I remember it. It was like, like 12 hours ago. That was this morning, man. <laughs> Can we please, it was actually this morning, according to my time. Yeah. Um, so one thing that, morning, that woke up and then exposed him and then danced, got him fired and then threw his old clothes at him. And uh, like he went to a church and donated his symbiote. Uh, and, and then he was like, do you remember what you did to me? And he was like, that was like freaking 11 AM this morning. It is now 8 PM. Yes. Yeah. I remember. Of course I remember. I was there. Um, I did it. One thing I, that that really stuck out to me because I'm still speaking of things that, you know, they live uh, rent free in your head, but, you know, grudgingly, I, I can't get this phrase out of my mind because I, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. And I don't know if I'm overthinking it. Oh, I bet it's the same one that I think. Or 
it just doesn't make any sense, but it, it, I feel like it should make sense where in the middle of the fight, uh, Venom says to, or Eddie or whatever says to Peter, never wound what you can't kill. It's, I don't get that. It's so out of nowhere. And it's so look at how cool I am. I, is it just like, is it the poor man's boring version of you should have killed me when you had the chance, Charles? Like, yeah, it's because he, he, he like hits him with the pipe and he looks away and I, you can feel him wishing he was wearing sunglasses because uh, it would have been like a look away and like never wound and then take off the sunglasses and look at him from the side. eye and be like what you can't kill. He basically does everything, but take off the glasses that he doesn't have. Um, and I think about that a lot and like, I'll play video games. Uh, where you know what? Somebody will like shoot me and I'll live and I'll come back and I'll shoot them and say to myself, never wounds. <laughs> you know what? I, I, I kind of get it now, but it's, it's, a, it's a dumb way to say it. Yeah. It's, it's a really dumb way. It's one of those. It would have been amazing if, uh, if he had said that the exact same way they did, but we just inserted a shot of Tobey Maguire just going, what? And yeah. the movie just continues. <laughs> I, I think that's, that's a line that was just, even though it's a very short line, it's not like this whole, um, it's not like this whole monologue or whatever, Yeah, but it, it was something that was just very much overwritten. They were like, well, he's got to say something in this scene. So, like, uh, never wound what you can't kill. Get it because he hit him and he's not dead. Whatever. Like, just film the scene. Um, Oh, uh, of course, Sandman's here. And Sandman, um, I'm not quite sure if if what we're doing with Sandman is that, like, the bigger he gets, the dumber he is. Like, whether or not it means that his brain is just, like, spread out more. Yeah, he's just Uh, like this. He's like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, but... He's, he's a Frankenstein monster. He's he's yeah. puffed, yeah. Well, not only that, but I but he also I guess he has the ability. I mean, he's uh, obviously he's composed of sand now or sil- right. silicon, but um, he can absorb the material around him, which makes him bigger. But a lot of the material around him was just like, um, like tires and bricks and stuff. Yeah, like, like cinder blocks. Yeah, whether or not it just got stuck in there because of like the amount that he's pulling in, or if he's yeah, so maybe like maybe whatever he's composed of, he's he can retain his intelligence and his you know his reason, but then once he starts absorbing just regular old inert materials that have no whatever comic book science in it, <laughs> maybe then like. He just, like you said, like, yeah, he's basically spreading out his, his intelligence, his brain or whatever, because I'd be curious if this version of Sandman, if he started to like really pay attention to what he's able to do or whatever, it would be cool to see if like, um, I don't know if he had the ability to, maybe it's not just sand. Maybe he could slowly start incorporating things to where he's like, well, now I'm a living thing of bees or like uh, he sees suddenly swarm uh, or, or some sort of like odd thing like that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very, it's not well explained or defined, 
But luckily, we don't really have to worry about him because he's really in this movie to kind of be a bruiser threat and to say that his daughter is sick. Um, so Harry shows up on his um, on his X Games four thousand and uh, and shoots like a couple of bombs and missiles into him. And now they're basically like they're they're acting like they've always been working together, like they're Cassidy and Sundance Kid, and they've got perfect like banter rhythm down oh my god i i I wrote that i said they're already quipping and helping each other fight like they've been a team forever yeah and it's like oh it's on one hand the problem with this movie is that i am simultaneously in like furious and like enjoying the dumb bubblegum popcorn that it is at the exact same time (laughs) I'm 50% going like, oh my god, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And going, ha, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. (laughs) Um, And and, and sprinkled in between it is stuff that actually is really good. And uh, some of the stuff that they're saying back and forth to each other is really fun. Um, Partway through the fight, we we do this um, amazing gag of, we cut to JJJ, who's in the crowd, and he... uh, tries to get that camera off the kid. Oh yeah. She sells it to him for like a hundred bucks. And he goes like a hundred bucks. Are you kidding me? But like, you could tell they appreciate the hustle and he takes the camera and opens it and it's empty. And the girl <laughs> just films extra. And that's, that's good. That's really like a plus gold star. Yeah. That was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so everyone's fighting and then they split up with, uh, Harry going after Sandman and suddenly um, suddenly Spider-Man's in a Ridley Scott alien movie uh, where like Venom's kind of like a xenomorph for half a second, just kind of, you can hear it, but like it's, it's all paranoia and whatever. And it comes out of nowhere. And then he says, you'd never wound what you can't kill. Mm. Um, We, uh, the sound design for the noisy pipes is, like perfect to me i think it's it's great like yeah that that was a pretty cool yeah i i i appreciated that you know that that whole scene was 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 really well done that it's really fun i like cutting out the music to just kind of have suspense based off of this like weird escalating sound uh he pulls uh he pulls um eddie brock out of the suit and then throws a pumpkin bomb at it <laughs> Which the same pumpkin bomb that just kind of like somewhat burn up the side of uh, um, earlier in the movie, um, the pumpkin bomb blew up and Harry was fine because he just kind of like covered his face with like yeah he he looked away looked away. <laughs> um, the problem was he didn't look away quick enough in the second time and he just got his face slightly burnt. Now whether or not um, a symbiote is made out of pure kerosene or what. But this this bomb vaporizes not only the symbiote, but like But Eddie. Eddie no and jumps in and there's not even there's not like a pair of shoes left. Like there's nothing. It just instantly yeah. and it's gone. Like they were both made out of tissue paper. Like uh, it, it's I mean, it's again, it feels like that it's Sam Raimi going and Venom is gone. Stop talking to me about Venom. <laughs> gone. 
every piece of him is gone. There's not even like a toe bone left. Go away. I'm yeah. vulture in the next movie. Um, and and it's it's very strange. Uh, then we have a scene that I wrote down to describe as everyone forgives each other and cries. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, yeah, because during during the fight, Harry gets nailed <clears throat> in the same way that his father did, which is good for Peter because that means that Bernard could just tell the police that he dressed his wounds <laughs> uh, from the glider. Um, so that that happens, and uh, and Harry like forgives Peter. Peter forgives Harry. Um, Peter and MJ are like mm, maybe like in the morning we'll handle this but uh yeah and then sandman shows up and he's like you killed my uncle and he's like i didn't mean to my daughter is dying and peter goes like okay i forgive you and then sandman flies away now the problem with this is not only that sandman has the ability to fly this entire movie but it feels like that if like if Sandman had said all of that and was like, um, like had said that if Peter had learned anything in this movie, then what he would have responded with is it's okay to feel bad about what you did and remorse, but you've got to do something about it. You still, you still did kill my uncle. You still attacked a bunch of people. You attempted to kill me turn yourself in like will we understand that she's sick we'll do what we can to see if we can help her but like in a better movie you would just have peter parker go like buddy you've still gotta i really believe if peter had just asked him politely like he would have turned himself in i mean he whether it wasn't i mean it doesn't matter that it was an accident he still killed someone while committing a crime while committing a crime and then committed a bunch of other crimes. And then yeah. if all of your, even if you're saying all of your <laughs> choices were because of like trying to help your daughter, you still waited in an alleyway to kill what you thought was me. And then spent like the better part of the last hour trying to kill me at this construction site. There's right. real issues going on here, buddy. Um, because other than just saying, all right, I forgive you and him flying away. What does he think Flip Marco's next thing is going to be? Is he going to open like a, a charity house or? Yeah. He he only knows how to be a criminal. Yeah. Like he's been turned into a monster by society and, and then literally a monster. And Peter should have been like, you're still kind of a monster. If I let you go, you're going to get three blocks away. And then you're going to fly into like a, a coffee shop and make off with the register. <laughs> you know what? I kind of how, you know, I had this memory or this false memory apparently of, you know, that, uh, Peter be bopping down the street to staying alive. Yeah. I had this, I thought that now this kind of did partially happen, but you know, when Peter's standing there talking to him and he says, I forgive you. And he starts to Sandman starts to like dissipate and fly away in my head. I remembered it differently. I, 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 I remembered him. It was almost like, um, again, what I remembered was him actually just completely dissipating and letting himself float away. Like 
he almost like killed himself. Like, you know, just instead of, yeah. instead of him flying away in a sand cloud, he just like, let himself completely like this. Just, great. Yeah. Yeah. That because would have been good. That would have been interesting. Our memories make better movies. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, that I think that was the only way that he, you know, he wasn't going to go back to jail. Um, he was like screwing up trying to help his daughter. And this was the only, like the only thing for him to do was to not be around because all he, because his only course of action is to just com- continue to do crime. Yeah. Like the, you don't have a marketable skill other than I can turn into sand. Yeah. Uh, now to me, I've been thinking about this uh, while the movie is happening. And at the very end, I realized that, I think the perfect ending for this scene would have been um, either Sandman turns himself in or like just falls apart um, after almost kind of like a, like a fairy tale movie where it's like, Oh, we've, we've taken care of your problem and now your spirit is like, you know, can rest. Uh, mm-hmm. Now I think if, and I don't know how you would do it. You would just write it into the scene because you're a writer and you're writing the movie. Um, I would have liked for me, a perfect ending would be Harry leaving his money to either Peter or MJ because he doesn't have any next of kin. And, um, and maybe it's just that like Sandman says, my daughter's dying. I don't have money. And Harry just kind of says like uh like weekly just like calls over mj or whatever and says like my will leaves everything to you like Mm -hmm. give that money to her and then harry dies uh flip marco kind of goes all miyazaki spirit and falls apart and um and then like that's implied later. Like maybe we see a shot of like his daughter running and skipping um, Mm -hmm. with her tiny Tim crutch. (laughs) Uh, But instead we just have, I forgive you, go ahead and commit crime. I'm going to hang out by my dead best friend. And then we're going to have like another good old fashioned Spider-Man funeral to end the movie. (laughs) Well, well not only that, but um, well, the, 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 <laughs> movie ends on three, three sad notes. It en- first, I mean, it's like a, it's like it's like Lord of the Rings. It's got like three endings. It, it does, and even first, the credits, like the music, doesn't even like the credits don't even start with like a rock song like you would normally do because it's like let's take a moment to kind of just like yeah deal with what just happened. Let's have a moment of silence for our fallen you know comrades. Nice. But first, so yeah, first we you know Harry dies. Then we've got the funeral, um, which is, which of course is very, you know, a lot of sad overtones and monologues and whatever. Marking Joe Maganello. <laughs> That's right. We get a Flash Thompson cameo. Flash um, Thompson. And then we we had to revisit the jazz club where Mary Jane is singing a, you know, a sad. With love. Yeah. And, you know, they, we, we get the, maybe the impression that they're, reconciling somehow maybe they're not fully getting back together but they are god i don't want them to getting you know they're at least like with they're at least in each other's lives as you know friends or whatever but then 
that's how the movie ends on like you're telling me they're going to they're going to end the movie in this sad ass jazz club and you know I'm happy that you know Peter and Mary Jane sort of reconcile but like how do you not end the movie with Spidey swinging through the city that's the thing that bothered me the most it's you, that's that's what you do it's tradition even yeah you have a funeral scene that's immediately followed by Spider-Man swinging. Um, that's how it works. Uh, or, or an aborted wedding, which is like a, a funeral, I guess. Um, just a, a couple of notes I have about this final scene is, first of all, how was Peter allowed to be back into this club when he <laughs> fought everybody and punched her in the mouth not even two days ago? Mm-hmm. Like, it was the night before. Um, and uh, they... I do kind of like it. Okay. So she sings, I'm through with love. He shows up, reaches out her hand and they have like this, like this small, it would have been nice. And it kind of is. Cause I like that. They don't say anything. It's almost like this very seventies, um, like relationship drama sort of scene where it's like, the, neither of them have uh, have the words to express what they've been through in this past not even week. And so there's just like this, the weight of what they've been through. And they're just kind of like dancing sweetly, kind of holding each other. But it should have ended with the very much, just very much implying that like they're, they're done. This movie should have been like should have ended with if you're gonna do it, just give us a one more hit of like and they broke up because they just don't work for each other anymore because like mostly because of Peter's fault. But mm-hmm. he swings away to New York, still being excited and appreciating him, and there's like Peter and there and we get the very Marvel comics thing of Peter's life is garbage, but at least there's Spider-Man. Like there's at least still that like, yeah, <clears throat> whatever. we, we can still end up with like this, like <clears throat> somewhat triumphant, like not everything's too bad, but we're still going to make it through it. And we, we have the final swing. That's such a bummer that we don't get that. Um, mm-hmm. You know who he should have ended up with? Like this, this, movie series should have maybe in Spider-Man 4, like we could have gone into this. Um, I think probably the best relationship would have been to see uh, I, I wanted him to end up with the uh, the roommate, the landlord's daughter. <laughs> I 100% want yeah. him. It's, it's a supportive kind of, if he can get his head out mm-hmm. of his ass, like she's excited to see him. Mm-hmm. Like No matter what stupid nonsense he'd be up to she would be like dazzled by him but would still be like okay sit down and um there's a there's a part in spider-man 2 where he's like absolutely going through the ringer and she just like knocks on the door is like are you okay and he's like yeah i'm okay he's clearly not and she just gets him a like a thing of chocolate cake that she made and a Mm -hmm. glass of milk and just sits with him that's the Mary Jane from the comics moment. That's- right. Yeah. That's yeah. That's that was part. Yeah. You're right. That was like the best relationship he's ever had. Yeah. But he's too, he's too like uh, stuck on the, um, 
like the dazzlement of like I'm a superhero and I deserve the woman that I set my eyes on first. Right. I'm, I'm a white man, god damn it, and I want, I want what I want. Um it's we don't know what happens to Sandman. We never find out what happens to his daughter. Mm-hmm. Um everyone's so the next movie would just be Harry is dead and their relationship is kind of in shambles. I don't see how you repair uh, Peter and MJ after this, you know? Well, I feel like if there would be a, a fourth movie, I mean, honestly, I, I would, if, if they could do it, if they were not contractually obligated to offer her a role, I would just say, you know, hey, Kirsten Dunst, she, she played her part. She, she was in three movies. Let's make room for someone else. You get a cameo. Um, you get a cameo like as like uh, the friend or whatever, like you're essentially yeah. like get like the, the Aunt May roles like scenes now where it's like, Hey, I'm going to just like call my friend real quick Yeah, I, in Spider-Man four. And this could have been a way to handle what we're talking about. Um, at first it was implied that. So Anne Hathaway was actually in the running for um, being a character in Spider-Man four. That was at first supposed to be Black Cat, and then mm. it was actually changed to being uh, Vultress, like like the Vulture's assistant. That could have been a way to be able to transition this, like the ending of this relationship. There's could have been something interesting with that, but there's also a bunch of like other dumb things that come with that. Like there was. Uh, storyboards where spider-man has like essentially is has is cobbling together tech from what he's been dealing with recently and like he's he fights vulture and is like well vulture can fly i can't really do that uh, and so he makes a goblin glider that has uh dr octopus's tentacles on it huh. uh, and uh and there's real like um uh, there's storyboards and stuff because they were working on pre-production for Spider-Man four while they were setting up three and, uh, and they argued back and forth because um, uh, originally Sam Raimi was like, okay, I want to do um, like, I want it to be black hat and uh, vulture. And they're like, well, what if it was Vultress? What, what if you're going to do it this way and that way uh, we want it to be like this. And Sam Raimi was like, you know what? I've I've already been through trying to make a movie where you were trying to dictate a different movie to me, and I already know that you're working on that reboot. So just just go ahead and do that. I'm I'm kind of comfortable. I think I'm fine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that's why this movie came out in 2007. And if I remember remember correctly, I'm trying to remember when Amazing Spider-Man came out. Uh, give me one second. Um, yeah, The Amazing Spider-Man was only five years later in 2012. Okay. Um, yeah. And uh, if I remember correctly, it was even like the same writer who wrote this movie also wrote the reboot. Hmm. So as much as people complain about like, oh, um, Tobey Maguire's character was never the irascible bastard that... Uh, um, the unforgivable jerk that Andrew Garfield was. I want to point out this movie uh, <laughs> and say, are you kidding me? It was always there. Yeah. Uh, so that's, 
that's Spider-Man three. Um, mm-hmm. So far, time wise, uh, we've we've gone about a half hour longer than the actual movie. I'm sure this <laughs> will be at, at least a little bit shorter just because of the runtime. I mean, we're starting off with a two and a half hour movie. Right. Well, plus, you know, we 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 uh, had a little bit of a you know little preamble leading oh, yeah. into our. But uh, you know, like or the Spider-Man Bill of Rights. Right. Well, you know, I think my 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 final thought on the on Spider-Man Three is, um, I first saw it in 2007. I saw it again in 2021. I'm pretty sure I never need to watch it again. <laughs> okay, uh, let me run a couple of standard questions past you that I will probably do in every episode. Okay. Okay. Um. Do you think that this movie is a bad movie because it is a bad adaptation or is it a bad movie because it's a good, a a fair adaptation that just happens to be bad? Um, that's tough. Well, and did watching uh, did watching this again like change any sort of opinion that you had going into it? Now I'll probably answer that one first. I feel like no. If if anything, my my opinion of it probably got a little worse because you know because the first because I've only seen it one other time and you know the the first time you see it like you're a, a lot more optimistic mm-hmm. and the, you know. There, you know, the, the, you have the whole theater going experience. You're seeing it for the first time. There's oh, a yeah. lot of excitement. There's a lot of buzz. So I feel like even when a movie is kind of crappy, you, you still come out of it kind of like jazzed a little bit because, you know, it's a new Spider-Man movie. Um, seeing it a second time, that's when you kind of start. Really? Yeah. You, 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 you really, you know, see the warts and all. Um, uh yeah, I think it was just a bad adaptation. I think there were, you know, there were a few things they they did okay, um, but you know, from from the from the first movie, you know, the 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 Sam Raimi movies are, you know, at the time they were awesome because that was all we had. Right. Um, I've I've never been a huge fan of Tobey Maguire. I've never been a huge fan of like little things like um, uh, the organic web shooters. Right. You know, there are just something like I, I, I didn't like the goblin design. I didn't like, um, wasn't, I, I, I never really thought Kirsten Dunst captured the essence of Mary Jane. I mean, they're just so many things like that. She was, I, I really like Kirsten Dunst. I don't like her uh, as Mary Jane because I feel like that who she's actually playing is a much quieter, sadder version of Gwen Stacy and everything, but name only Mm -hmm. like meaning only just because of the stuff of like, well, it's in high school. You're the girl next door. There's like all that stuff. Like there's still not that internal warmth and everything that made Gwen Gwen, but there's also not really anything about her that made me really love MJ as a character. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, It's, 
it's a bad adaptation kind of it's it's weird because they're good movies but they're bad adaptations that's that's part of mm-hmm. like they're, i wanted to bring up that point they're, they're they're really good you these are good movies to show like you can show kids you can like they're they're movies that like your parents can enjoy because they don't have uh you know 75 years of comic book continuity coursing through their brains like it's like a Richard Donner Spider-Man movie. Yeah, it's yeah. It's, it, 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 it's a comic book movie that that everybody can enjoy. It, 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 it hits the broad strokes, and it's enjoyable enough that, or it, it's it, you know, you don't have to be like an uber nerd to enjoy it. The the uber nerds get the little references and the Easter eggs, but you know, it, it's it's the same. It, it's the same way that like. Like my mom knows who Groot is. My mom knows who Rocket Raccoon is because they're now household names. And like, um, because they've, they've made these movies accessible to everybody. Mm-hmm. So, but it, it's still, you know, for, for the, the people that, you know, live and breathe comics there, it's, they're disappointing. It's interesting. Cause, uh, Spider-Man three came out in 2007 and, the Dark Knight came out in 2008, and uh, the only reason why I'm bringing up both of these is because this feels like Spider-Man 3 feels like it's the last time that somebody tried to make a superhero movie where the genre was just superhero, and that was enough. Where the Dark Knight, what the Dark Knight really started, as much as like everyone like hoots and hollers about it, um, the Dark Knight was the first thing to kind of start it with like what with the idea of let's make this be a good movie first and foremost, Mm -hmm. but it just happens to be a superhero movie. This is very much a Spider-Man three is very much. Oh, this is, this is a superhero movie. Um, and and a domestic, uh, who's afraid of Virginia Wolf drama hidden underneath all of it, but it's, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's really like the last of a breed and for good reason, but mm-hmm. you're you're absolutely correct. This kind of hits those hallmarks of like there there's something about them that were made that were timeless. Uh, this particular series, mm-hmm. but uh, this one's probably best left its time. That being said, I still am happy every time I watch it because it's dumb as hell. <laughs> well, you know, and and um, you know, I I, I kind of joked about it today. Um, I, I on Facebook, um, you know, because uh, I, I said that. I, uh, you know, have it like when, when, when I started watching the opening credits of this movie and you, and saw the flashbacks to the first two movies, I thought, oh man, it's really been a long time since I've watched those first two movies. I should, I think after this third movie, I'm going to go back and rewatch the first two. And, um, and I probably, I, I, and I, I, I made some crack about like, you know, but after two and a half hours of creepy Tobey Maguire, I decided I'm good. <laughs> Um, but I probably will go back and rewatch those first two cause they were still kind of fun. Um, and, and, and like I said, those, those were like, you know, at, at the time, like everything always gets better, but at the time, like that was the best version of Spider-Man we had the best live action version of Spider-Man. It's pretty so, much, it was that and like the 1977 Nicholas Hammond, like TV stuff. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
uh, yeah, so I'm always going to enjoy those movies to some extent because I still remember the the sheer joy of finally seeing Spider-Man on the big screen. Um, so, you know, I'll, you know, I, I can't, like I said, I, I can't say that I'll ever go back and rewatch the third one. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll probably, you know, but the, like, like the first two, I, I've seen a few times. So, you know, they're, they're still watchable. I agree. I'm probably going to go back and rewatch the first two as well. Um, mm-hmm. As a, as just a final kind of like note to close the book on uh, Spider-Man three, just to kind of give you an idea of like my timeline, um, the funeral and uh, dance happens on day six. If the okay. editing is to be believed. So <laughs> the entirety of from the very beginning of MJ being on Broadway like and everyone clapping for her to the last scene being her and um peter slow dancing in a jazz club that doesn't pay very well in the same location that he had just punched her earlier and <laughs> and that all happens in under a week <laughs> that's a lot <laughs> yeah that's that that is an that's that, that's a week full of uh full of activity. If I do rewatch the first two movies, I I might see if I can do a timeline thing for that too cuz I'm just kind of curious about how long um <laughs> how long some of these are supposed to be taking. Yeah. Uh so um that was Spider-Man 3 and I really feel like I put you through the ringer to start that one off with. That's okay. Uh, now for for uh, for listeners, if you made it this far, first of all, thank you. Um, like uh, like, rate, and subscribe. Um, but uh, <laughs> we had put together a what I'm calling a uh, movies with issues uh, film playlist, where the idea was like to go through like a bunch of just like not either not good, notoriously not good, or just not often talked about um, superhero movies. Uh, The list right now has, uh, let's see, there are currently 83 movies on that list. That's pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. So I went with Spider-Man 3, and the idea is to end each one of these with the other host uh picking the next topic and we the other person doesn't find out until we actually say that here on mm-hmm. the recording so uh dan i'm really anxious to find out what you've chosen to pay me back for this well i had to make sure that it was available to watch somewhere and i did find it uh it looks like the entire movie is on youtube okay. at an hour and a half long oh i'm already uh, excited it i'm it, Going to go with Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Ah, yes! <laughs> Starring none other than David Hasselhoff. David Hasselhoff. That is... Let me go ahead and take a quick look, because I have that list up on here. Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. is... um. Oh, why is it uh, not in alphabetical order on here? Oh, because it's it's down by N. That would make sense because I can't spell. 
Uh, Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., a made-for-TV, I believe, sci-fi movie in 1998. Yep. I'm, I'm real pumped. I'm real <laughs> excited. <laughs> As am I. I'm, I'm really looking forward to... I, I, yeah, I think this is going to be some, some good, good cheese. Mm, Great A government cheese. Yep, gonna have, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna have a little, nice little cheese party to watch this movie with. So, all right, well, uh, we'll have to figure out some kind of like sign off or something for this, like some kind of like, like a catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> well, did, um, before we sign off, did you? Um, I know you wanted to. Did you, uh, was there anything you wanted to uh, promote or? Yeah, uh, there's actually a couple different ways that you could find me out there on the interwebs and such, even with the world shut down. Uh, my name is Jeremiah Ion, that's I-O-N, and Jeremiah spelled, uh, well, the way that that's spelled, uh, like Jeremiah was a bullfrog, I guess. Um <laughs> You can find me on YouTube either underneath that name, uh, same with uh, with Twitter and anything else like that. Um, it's just Jeremiah I in no space. But I also uh, currently still do some online shows with Arcade Comedy Theater. Uh, Arcade Comedy Theater, of course, is a nonprofit comedy theater in Pittsburgh uh, that I really enjoy and hope to be doing things again. And... Uh, Dan, why don't you tell some of these lovely human beings uh, where they can find some of the issues that some of our films are based off of? <laughs> well, you know, the uh, our, our main show that this show is spun off from is Comic Book Pit, mm-hmm. which uh, you can find at our, our main site is comicbookpit.com. That's pit with two T's like Pittsburgh. Uh, where are and I mean, and you can find the show wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, or Spotify, Stitcher, uh, or even on like iHeartRadio, um, Amazon Music. Uh, you can find us just about anywhere. And of course, all the 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 uh, the big social media platforms: Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, but yeah, it, you'll you'll be able to find um, movies with issues on the same feed as Comic Book Pit. It's uh, it's going to be a totally free show. We do have uh, exclusive content that you can find on our Patreon page. If you go to patreon.com slash comic book pit, we've got uh, we've got exclusive content. We've got web comics and we've got uh, more podcasts on there. We've got two other shows. Uh, one is called R2 R2 yen, like R2 cents. But R2 Yen, and that's a a uh, married couple reviewing Japanese pop culture. Oh, I love that. And uh, and then the other one is Sequential Underground, where um, our other uh, two of our hosts, Sean and Jared, who are web comics artists, uh, discuss the comics making process. So it's a lot of fun. Now that uh, I do know, and I've talked to them a couple of different times and they're lovely people, um, but with excellent work, uh, I'm really interested in the, um, the show that you had just mentioned about the married couple. I don't think I knew about that one before. Yeah. Um, so our, so they've done, we've done two episodes so far. One, the, the first episode, they talk about, um, the phenomenon known as blaze ball or 
Blazeball. I, I always forget okay, how it's Blaze pronounced. Blazeball, I do know. Uh, I think my girlfriend talked about that. It's, <laughs> it, yeah. it's, it's interesting. Yeah, it, it is. But the, yeah, they, 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 they devote an entire episode to, to that. And then, oh, I'm blanking on the second episode, but it, it has to do with an, uh, I think an anime series. So, uh, but yeah, if you have any interest in, uh, like I said, Japanese pop culture, uh, anime, manga, you may want to, uh, visit our Patreon page and, uh, you know, join the comic book pit community and you'll have access to, uh, all that content. Absolutely. Well, that's a good thing to be able to follow. I'm, uh, Dan, I'm excited, uh, for this series. I'm excited, uh, moving forward to kind of go through these numbers and to see some stuff that I haven't either seen in a while or just straight up haven't seen at all mm-hmm. but know that they exist. Yeah. Same here. I, I mean, I, looking at the list, it was really hard to, to settle on a second, you know, the, the, the next, the content for the next episode. I'm like, Hey, it's a marathon, not a sprint. You know, yeah, it's going to be no matter what we pick, it's going to be fun. Um, so here's, here's just a weird detail that I'll, um, I'll throw out there, uh, before kind of clearing this off. It's about a possible future episode. I'm going to have to check with my mom, but on this list, I have a couple of, um, different uh early captain america things like a lot of stuff from the 70s and stuff mm-hmm. um one of those is like my third cousin or something like that and that's that's not a joke i'm gonna have to i will figure it out as in the person who played captain america the person who played captain america yeah wow. and he he only really did that and i think then he like did like aerobics instructing or something like that i'll have to find out exactly who it is Oh, uh, yeah, I'll I'll bring that up because it's um, uh, it's I think it's like a fun detail and it's one that I would like to know and I, I think that would be like a weird fun bragging right to pull out at like comic parties is be like well my third cousin's Captain America so I don't want to <laughs> that is that's pretty awesome if 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 that if any of that turns out to be uh you know ver- verifiable that would be really interesting yeah, I'll, I'll find it uh i know that's on my mother's side i just don't know um where okay okay excellent all right well then i guess we can um yeah we can close up this episode this uh first episode of movies with issues thank you so much for listening and uh hopefully you'll you know stick around for future episodes we are going to do, be doing them monthly so uh we're going to be hopefully recording them uh the last week of every month so you'll know when to uh keep an eye out for new episodes but you can always uh if you have any questions or any suggestions for episodes uh you can always message us on like i said any of the uh comic book pit social media platforms uh, or our email address you can email the main comic book pit email at comicbookpit at gmail.com and uh, until we kind of figure out like a good sign-off phrase, uh, do do you mind if I just like try one out real quick? Please. Okay. Uh, thank you for listening. We love you. And remember, never wound what you can't kill. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs>